One of the great things about faith in Jesus is that it really removes... It can remove fear if we let it. (laughs) And that's one of the beautiful things about prayer. When we pray, it gives us courage when we are afraid. Being afraid, being fearful. And regardless of the season of life where one is found, we can all identify with fear. We're in different seasons of life all across the room whether you're coming out of a season of anxiousness or perhaps you're nervous about uh, what might be down the road. The Lord is the one in whom we can trust to calm our fears. And as we trust in Him and what He has told us to be true, this can increase our level of faith if we, if we allow it. Faith past what we might see or what we might feel. A lot of the times, our emotions, that's our barometer. And if I'm feeling up or I'm feeling down, that can be how we evaluate our level of faith. And really, we need to evaluate our faith not on how we feel, but on what we know to be true. What we know to be true in God's Word. And, and last time, we ended in, in Hebrews chapter 2 and, and verse 9. We, the writer tells us this in verse 9. He says, We see Jesus. We see Jesus who for a little while was made lower than the angels... And because of the suffering of death, his death crowned with glory and honor. Because of that, that by the grace of God, Jesus might taste death for everyone. And so today we begin in verse 10, and the writer of the letter says this, For it was fitting for Jesus, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory to perfect the originator of their salvation. That's Jesus, by the way, through suffering. What's the writer saying there? Well, it's fitting for Jesus, and Jesus, for whom are all things, everything we're to do, we're told in Scripture, to do for the glory of Jesus and for the Father. All things are made for Him, all things were made through Him. God, beyond worthy of all the praise, beyond all the thanks we can give God, for God the Father and the Son, and through God the Father and through the Son, all things have been made for them and through them. It's all about them. John 1 opens up this way. In the beginning was the Word. And we come to understand that that... That term word means Jesus. In the beginning was the word Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. He's sovereign over all. Nothing happens which he has not allowed. 
Paul says in Colossians 1, he says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities or what have you. Jesus has dominion. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And that may be how some of you are holding together right now only through Jesus. But he is sufficient. Jesus doesn't fail. Salvation is created by God the Father and the Son. Salvation is delivered through God the Son for the glory of the Father, for the glory of himself. It brings glory to the Father and the Son when many sons and daughters are brought to glory. That all honor is due our holy God Salvation brings honor to God. It's fitting, and what greater gift than the Son's obedience going to the cross, His suffering for us. Jesus defeats sin at the cross with His sacrificial death. And when He brings us, it brings glory to the Father when He brings us to salvation. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, He is the perfect Lamb of God, and He has an a more excellent name now because of what he's done and what he's done for us. And what he's done for us brings glory to himself and brings glory to the Father. Jesus is the author of our salvation. He's the leader of our salvation. Jesus is the one who can lead us out of sin, out of the grave, and he brings us to the glory of salvation. And we see there that he is the one who will bring to glory all who trust in him. There will be a day when we will be with Him in glory. It occurred to me this morning before I left the house. You know, when you sing about Jesus for 20 minutes in a service and you talk about Jesus for 20 to 30 minutes in a service, this is what happens. Our focus turns from the things we have going on, the grocery list of needs and concerns. You know, y'all are out there thinking about this, that, and the other. I mean, we're human. But when we take the, a moment to set all the or minutes to t- set those things aside and to focus on who Jesus is, then the eyes of our heart are illuminated. They're opened. And we have a now, once again, proper perspective of who we are and who our concerns are under Him. When you hear about Jesus and you spend time with Jesus for an hour, it will change your it will change your day. We see here in verse 11 for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father. For this reason Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Oh, what's he mean? Well, this idea of sanctify, that means to set apart as holy, to, to consecrate. He who is holy, Jesus, he who is holy, has made us holy. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read that, that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, Jesus, the sinless Son of God, the sinless, perfect Lamb of God. We've seen that He's perfect. Jesus, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, 
to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God through Jesus. I've used this terminology before. I call it the holy horse swap. Our sin, Jesus' righteousness, Jesus takes our sin and we get Jesus' righteousness. And we're now able to stand before the Father. And the Father sees Jesus on us. I would say we've traded up. (laughs) I would say we've traded up. We are made holy. We are set apart as holy. We are sanctified by the one who can sanctify. And because of this, we are all of the same Father, and Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. I am the baby of the family. I have an older sister. And there was more than one time, I know, that I embarrassed the snot out of my sister. I don't know if any of you all can relate. I know we have brothers and sisters here. But you know what I'm talking about. And see, Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters because of what he's done for us. We're made holy. In 1 John, chapter 3 begins this way. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us so that we would be called children of God. Faith in Jesus enables us to be family with him. We become family with him. That's something that we... We sometimes forget we become joint heirs with Jesus. And we are related to one another. Not blood kin, but spiritual kin. Verse 12, the writer says this about Jesus. I will proclaim your name to my brothers in the midst of the assembly. I will sing your praise. It's a restatement really of of a psalm, the 22nd psalm. This idea of the midst of the assembly. Jesus standing in the midst of his people. A moment ago, we, we, we looked at John 1, and the, and the Word became flesh. Well, if you were to read a little further in John chapter 1, get around to verse 14, there's a verse that says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus... Dwelt, dwelt with his people. You know, that's, that's always been God's plan. From the time when Adam and Eve were in the garden, the Lord would come to visit them in the cool of the day to spend time with his people. We get to the very end of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, when we see that the Lord will tabernacle will dwell with his people. That's always been his plan. Jesus claims us. I will put my trust in him. And, and 13, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. That, that comes from a prophecy that was given to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 8. So, you fast forward from this prophecy of Isaiah to the Last Supper. Jesus, after the meal, was praying to the Father. In John 17, 
this high priestly prayer, Jesus prays for all his followers. And and he's speaking to his Father. And he says, Father, I've manifested your name to the men, to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me. We've been given to Jesus. To the glory of both Him and to the Father. And this gift of faith, salvation in Jesus, is given to us. If we've, if we've trusted in what Jesus has done for us, then we have faith in what He's done, and it's a, really a gift. That's been given to us, and, and we've been given to Jesus. Have you ever seen yourself as a gift to Jesus. You're a gift to Jesus. How does that make you feel? That should make you feel great. On a cold, dreary January day. Does that change the way that you look at yourself? It should. Look at 14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself also partook of the same. He, took, he partook of flesh and blood so that through death Jesus might destroy the one who has the power of death, the devil. And Jesus can free those who through fear of death are, have been subject to slavery all of their lives. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 21 Paul writes, For since by a man came death, in Adam all die. We know the story of Adam and Eve. The story of Adam and Eve. It's a beautiful beginning in the book of beginnings, in the book of Genesis. Um, It's a wonderful start, which is capsized due to falling into temptation. The sin was not being tempted. Temptation itself is not a is a test, it's not a sin, but it's succumbing to that temptation. It's the following through of that temptation. And what happens, that leads to ultimately the, the fall of mankind and into sin and ultimately death. And that's why Paul gives us the statement, in Adam, all die. We're not in the Garden of Eden on this morning in January because of Adam and Eve. In the Garden of Eden, in our disobedience, when our eyes were opened, when we at last saw evil and and how different evil is from good, we would know the power of evil. We would know the power of death. And we would be afraid. And Paul tells us, he he says, For since by a man came death, however... I love the howevers of life. However, by a man also came death the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, all die. But in Christ also, all can be made alive. Jesus, He's all God and He's all man. 
He's, he's not half God and half man. He's all God and he's all man. Can't get our heads around that. But he is one who shares in our humanity. And this one, because he is flesh and blood, he would share in a likewise fate. Jesus would surrender to death. However, don't we love the howevers? <laughs> yeah, death would not have power over Jesus. The devil has no power over the Son of God. The devil has no power over the Son of God. The devil has no power over the Son of God. Jesus is the victor over sin. Jesus is... He's victor over the power of death. He's victor over hell. And Jesus is the victor over the devil. Jesus, freed from the tomb on that first Easter morning, He now can free us from the shackles and bonds of sin if we allow Him. If we allow Him. Jesus can remove our fear of death if we allow Him. Jesus resurrected to life can provide us resurrection life, fresh, spirit-filled life now, and confidence in the eternal life to come if we allow Him His rightful place as the Lord of life, the boss of our lives. You see... Fear of death can enslave us. However, hope, hope can overturn fear. Paul addresses this fear of death by providing hope in the face of death. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says this. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, those, those who have died so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Dying because of Adam, you know, dying is a part of our existence, and we, we grieve. You know, Jesus, Jesus grieved at the death of a friend. We grieve. But Paul is saying, we don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. We have a hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. And for this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, not by how we feel or what we think, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Mm. Amen. And then Paul says, so comfort one another with these words. Tell this. Don't keep it a secret. Tell it. Encourage one another. You see, at the end, death will finally be over. Faith in Jesus as our eternal hope. That faith really should end our fear. 
Paul would, would, would tell us in 1 Corinthians 15 that the last enemy that will be abolished is death. And we get down toward the end of 1 Corinthians 15 around verse 50 and following. It's a long chapter. But Paul says this. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. It's almost like he's saying, I'm going to tell you a secret. But it's not really a secret. I'm going to tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And in a, in a moment, in, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the, trump, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. And when this perishable will have put on the imperishable... I, I've told some of you... Um, I have a new doctor. I've gone to a, going to a new physician, and I really like him. He, he's a bass player. Uh, I didn't like what he, about every third sentence that he said, because every third sentence began this way. Well, when you hit 50, or when you get to be your age... Or, Jake, you've got to just expect that now that you are, you know, I don't want to hear that. We don't want to wear out. Perishable, perishable, perishable. And, and what happens in that twinkling of an eye, the mortal will put on immortality. And the perishable will put on the imperishable. <laughs> And then we'll come about the saying that is written. Paul says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Last verse this morning. The writer of the letter says this, for clearly he, Jesus, does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of, of Abraham. We've seen Jesus is above all things. He's above the angels. There's no need to help the angels. The angels, they, they serve the Father and the Son. They provide help to man. Jesus doesn't need to help the angels. However, we... We need help. And, and as Abraham was told by the Lord at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, the Lord tells Abraham, tells Abraham again, tells him again, and reiterates it to his son and his grandson. Through you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Jesus, heir to Abraham, Jesus provides the blessing. Jesus has come to be our help, our salvation. I want you to see verse 13 for a second. Verse 13. I will put my trust in him. I will put my trust in Him. Jesus put His trust in the Father time and time again. Jesus had confidence in His Father. Jesus trusted His Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Jesus trusted the Father on the cross. Even as all the sin of the world and all the wrath of God was borne down upon Jesus, Jesus trusted his Father. If Jesus trusted his Father in all of that, guess what? We can trust the Father too. We can trust the Father too. Faith in Jesus, past what we might feel, past what we will be able to see, or maybe not, maybe we can't see, but faith past all of those things. Faith in Jesus, in, in, in what God's words reveal to us. Faith in Him. Faith over our fear.